Hey y'all, it's Jen, your host of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast and CEO of Success Beyond the Lens, a business management and marketing company for photographers. On this podcast, I'm going to be giving you the actual tips and advice I use every day to run my clients' businesses. I'm also going to be interviewing some awesome professional photographers, marketing experts, Facebook ag gurus, and so many more to ensure you are running a well-rounded business. So grab your coffee or your wine or maybe a glass of water and let's dive in. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining on another episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. I am so excited to be kicking off the on-air coaching series. And today I am stoked to introduce you to Emily Lewick. Lewick. Yes. yes. Got it. <laughs> Who is going? It is a tricky one, but I am more than happy to take the time and pronounce it correctly. And today we are going to be chatting about choosing a CRM that fits you, that works best for you. So Emily, thank you so much for coming on today. Tell us a little bit about you. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Emily. I am a Brooklyn-based photographer, um, and I specialize in portraits that capture confidence and create memories. So I particularly love shooting women, but I shoot families and couples as well. And I place a really strong emphasis on the environment that I shoot in and creating custom sessions for people so that my philosophy is that the more unique to the person shooting, the more comfortable they'll feel. And it doesn't feel like a photo shoot and just feels like hanging out. And I'm just taking pictures of you hanging out because then you'll get the most natural photos. So that's me. And I um, was born and raised in New York City. I was a TV producer for 12 years and now um, have kind of, but I've always had photography in my life and have shifted over to a full-time career in photography. So that's, that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. I saw where you said you were a TV and video producer for 12 years. And I just think that is so cool. But I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm, I've heard that it's a tough industry. So can you tell like a little snippet about what that looked like? Absolutely. It is 100% a tough industry. It is definitely not for the faint of heart and definitely not all glamorous. You really have to to love it. Um, And I did. It was it was I learned so much. I was a theater major and then transitioned into television right after college. Uh, my first job was on a soap opera, and I worked in many different facets of production and casting in actual producing, which is basically making sure a show runs smoothly. So there's a lot of pieces behind the scenes, as there is with photography and yeah. producing a shoot. Um, so the skills are super transferable in that sense. So it's a lot of, I did things on the creative side, which was amazing. And I also, including writing and writing stories, uh, story producing, which is when you take the footage and you um, craft the story based on all of the interviews that we do. That's done a lot in verite or in uh, reality TV. But I also did post-producing, so managing all deliverables and all the editors and pre-production. Um, so making sure talent had everything they needed, that schedules were created, anything and everything, um, location secured contracts. So I've done it all. Um, I've been in all different facets of it and, uh, it was very exciting. I worked in cooking shows. I worked on a soap opera. I worked on documentaries and music videos and commercials, um, for a bunch of networks. It's, 
yeah, it was a very exciting time. Got to travel a bit and um, now just excited about what the next step in my future holds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I can, I'm hearing you say all of this and so many of those skills are transferable to running a photography business. Yeah. I hear everything. I'm like, yeah, you do this for photography and that for photography and that for photography. Absolutely. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like a copy paste. Just you just stick in a different medium. It's still photography versus film um, video. Yeah. So, an exact thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, okay. So you started your business. You bought your first DSLR in 2017 and then kind of had it as a hobby for a few years. And now you decided to go full-time this year, right? Yeah, I had attempted right before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and that kind of shifted a lot of things for me (laughs) um, as it did for everyone. So uh, I really wasn't able to get it off the ground, but definitely continued taking photographs last year. And now this year I'm really officially in business and or unofficially officially in business but uh you know it yeah getting getting clients and getting starting you know website and things like that so really really making the concerted effort that I can do now that things are a little bit safer and a little bit easier to navigate awesome so all right so we're talking about trying to figure out what CRM works is going to work best for you and you're currently with Honeybook. Tell me what you love about Honeybook. I love a lot of things about Honeybook. I I love the idea of a CRM. I never um thought about it before but as having come from my producing background I can get very granular very detail oriented and I know all the ins and outs of you know, seeing something from concept to delivery. So I love the idea of a CRM because it just is a tool that makes life easier. I loved tools in general um, when when we would when I would produce content in the video world. So do, having something like HoneyBook was great. Um, I love that there is a pipeline. I love that I can easily see all of my projects and have contracts and all of my forms all set up and that everything sort of stays in one place. It's really, I'm looking at my feed right now and I can see exactly what stage um, my projects are in. I have quite a few galleries to work on and edit. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to see that all in one place. And I love, actually, I love the app and I love all the little notifications. Um, It is a really definitely robust tool for sure. Perfect. So now tell me what you are struggling with, uh, with HoneyBook. So I think I'm still, I, I got HoneyBook back in February and have played around with it, but have really more intensely been using it in the last month. So I'm starting to see where it were, what things work and what things don't. And I'm trying to figure out at this point, what are sort of ways that I'm going to have to adapt to their system as opposed to like it working with the way I'm used to working on things. So I can get very granular. So I think my biggest challenge right now is the workflow. And I, with, with the workflow, I love that there's tasks that you can create. I love that it triggers different events, but for me, I'm realizing that I kind of need an if this or if that situation with mm-hmm. the workflow. So when the workflow triggers, not everything is going to go according to plan because that is production. And that is, you know, how, how it works when you're working with clients. So you may start one step and then have to go back a couple of steps. Um, and so I think for me, the challenge has been that 
I don't know if my workflow is a bit too granular for the way it's set up on HoneyBook, but I've had to do some workarounds to make it work. And then ultimately just kind of paused on using the workflow because things were getting really busy for me. And I just have created my own sort of task list within a task app that I use that's been working great. But it'd be nice to have everything in one place in HoneyBook. So that's sort of the main thing for me is that wanting like it to not, it only seems to trigger from when the workflow is started or when a previous step is completed. And I want to be able to create my own options for things. So when this part of the task is complete, um, when a contract is signed, it does X, Y, Z. Um, I can't think of specifics, but um, I want it to align more specifically with the steps that I personally have set up. And then changing the dates and the workflow as the project is going on. Um, If something changes, I might need to change the date that something is due. Um, So it might be three days out as opposed to two days out that I've set in the workflow and that can be changed. So that's the main thing for me. And then just some things with like the emails and workspaces, you know, creating a separate workspace for different people as opposed to just being able to choose like add people to a project and just say like, I want to email these people. Um, Just sort of keeping it smoother for my clients. Um, I think it's been a bit challenging for them to know like which workspace to live in, depending on who we're emailing. Also with that, like adding multiple documents to one email, multiple things to sign as opposed to just having one thing because sometimes clients, actually I've had a couple of clients who've not realized that they've had to sign multiple things because they only see one email and it's easier for them to have everything packaged. So those are kind of just really keeping things streamlined, I think is the biggest thing for me and figuring out how to mold my process to HoneyBook. I have looked into Dubsado a little bit, but since I've already paid for HoneyBook at this point um, and just started with them, I want to keep giving it a go until I, before I make a leap, a decision to leap to something else. Yeah. But everyone I know, so many people I know use HoneyBook. So yeah, it's, I mean, I love HoneyBook. They're doing so many phenomenal things to mm-hmm. improve their system. And they really are taking the time to listen to their audience and making yeah. changes based on their audience and what they need. And their customer service is fantastic. I've, yes, like, it really they is. They respond right away. Even if it's not something that can be done, they um, are great about listening and you know helping figure out a workaround or something like that. So I have really appreciated that because oftentimes when you get these programs that you work with and I use Pixie set for my website and galleries, they, you know, they're great too about customer service. So oftentimes when you just have a web-based system that you're using, you never know if you're going to be able to fully get your questions answered by typing with someone in a chat. And I feel like with HoneyBook and with Pixie set, I've been able to, you know, good customer service is great. Awesome. So the first thing I want to address is multiple people in a project. So in that case, are you, and I mean, that your answer won't change the, the answer, unfortunately, but just to give the audience context, is it like a planner and the couples, or is it, you know, possibly like one of the people in the couple is wanting to do like a door session and they're trying to hide, like not let the other person know what does your situation look like? So it's really just keeping it simplified for clients. So like I'll have, I did a generational photo shoot on Sunday. So it was 
12 people, three different families, and then a matriarch. And um, it was um, wonderful. It was so much fun. But, uh, you know, there was one person who was the point person for everything. But when it came to a release, a model release, we were trying to figure out how to send it to, you know, she had already signed one but I needed it signed from other people. And do I create a separate workspace and send that? And I ended up just actually using Adobe Sign, which is what I was doing before to send it directly to the person because I couldn't figure out without creating a new workspace. So that's one thing is like sending contracts. The other piece of it is, uh, or another example is I had somewhat a shoot with someone who um, she was the person that I was photographing. She was the client. And then I also, at some point, we were going to have a assistant come on. And so I created a new workspace for me and the assistant and the client to communicate. And so when she and I were going over her photos, she was trying to find certain things and she was in the wrong workspace because she, yeah. that communication had happened in the workspace with the assistant. So having to figure that out was a little challenging as opposed to her just being able to go into her project and see all of her emails. And that sort of is a challenge, just being able to choose who I want to email within the project as opposed to like having a whole separate unit for them, because it's not really a separate project. It's just all the people involved in the project. So was it, was it the client's assistant or was it your assistant? I guess it was the client's assistant yeah it was the client's assistant but we we were all kind of working together she was like she was sort of acting as everything that day like hair makeup assistant and like stage manager helping keeping things flow so we wanted to all be in communication that makes sense okay so my question would be with in that scenario did the client not want her assistant to have access to like the proposal and like other information? I never asked actually, but to out of respect for her own privacy and stuff, I just didn't, I just assumed that she would want her own, her own space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If it were me, and I mean, I manage HoneyBook for clients mm-hmm. all day, I would reach out to the client and be like, hey, absolutely, we can, I can give you one of two options. I can either create a separate workspace that's going to create two places for communication. Or I can add her to our current workspace and that will give her access to, you know, these documents, this, these conversations. But if you're okay with that, then it'll mean that we have one space for communication. Right. Um, And then every communication though would go to everyone. Right. And I mean, and some like for, if it were me, like my, my assistant being on it and helping manage it, that's totally fine. They're, they have access to everything, but then I know some people would be way more private than I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have their own workspace. Yeah, yeah. And people are also not used to necessarily being in a workspace or a portal. So there's some like training around that to begin with. So, um, but that is something I could work into my workflow as well of just that training process. Yeah. Well, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. What's what you could do and something that I've done with clients is to create like a, hey, here's your client portal, like make it something exciting for them. Like here's Mm -hmm. a perk of working with me. Here's this incredible portal where you'll have all of our communication, your documents in one place and have like, I mean, I've even seen clients go as far of, of 
a walkthrough video, pulling oh, the wow. portal, like pulling the portal up, showing them how it works, where to find the information. So Ooh. that it's like this exciting thing rather than yeah. this daunting, like I have to learn something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So helping, you know, reframe it allows clients to like, oh, this is like a perk of working with her. Not, mm-hmm. not like, ugh, I have another thing I have to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, the whole system of it, because it is so much nicer than, than, you know, having a tool is so much nicer than all of the emails and stuff and they have everything in one place. So yeah, definitely. So with two forms in one email, I, Demsato just kind of, kind of made it possible where this is possible, but it's not possible in a workflow, which kind of defeats the purpose. But unfortunately I haven't found a CRM that allows those types of things to happen within a workflow because of the way that logic works. And I also haven't found a CRM that (laughs) has conditional logic. Now, Devsato does have a conditional logic feature. And it's basically if somebody doesn't complete a form, then something can happen, which is a huge Mm -hmm. lifesaver. But there's still like, there's not a lot of this, then that type of logic in HoneyBook yeah. or Dubsado. So the workarounds okay. that I normally use are tasks. Like I'll send yeah. out an email and like in HoneyBook, there aren't any workflow triggers for the appointment scheduler, which drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. HoneyBook, if you listen to this, I need appointment triggers. Okay, I'm done. I know um, there's that too. I know. And I, I just had, um, I just did. So, well, sorry to interrupt. No, no you're fine. Um, I just did like a, a bunch of minis and I had people book through this, the minis through the schedule scheduler. And that was great because before I even did it or after I set it up and people started booking, I was like, oh, is it going to create a project? And then how do I create a project out of that? And then it created projects for it, which was fantastic. Um, and then I noticed that when I create added the date to the, the project itself, then there was the date there's the date from the schedule and scheduler and the date from the project, which were the same date, but it was just two <laughs> different yeah. calendar rights. So yeah, it, so you're saying it doesn't create like a workflow based on that. You have to set it up, right? Right. So like in Debsato, you can send an appointment scheduler in the workflow. And then like once they schedule that appointment, then you could send a model release or you could send a questionnaire or a welcome, mm-hmm. like a thank you for booking type of email. Right. In HoneyBook, the scheduler, like I've kind of, I refer to the scheduler as like it's island on HoneyBook. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. It's own little ecosystem and its own thing. But like it can't, doesn't anything happen in the workflow. So that's something to keep in mind if you're going to use the scheduler. Um, if scheduling within the system is important to you, then it's deciding if having workflow triggers is just as important um, when you're considering a CRM. So with HoneyBook, the workaround is you send whatever the scheduler is and like hyperlink it in the email. The email can be in the workflow. So that helps. Okay. Then what I do is I set a task to go out uh, normally the next day to me to see if they've scheduled what I needed them to schedule. And then if they Mm -hmm. did to do the next step in the workflow, that way you, because I know for me personally and for my clients, they will send the link, but then it's like a send it and forget it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And because there's not that check and balance system in place, or there's not a workflow step that's going to automatically happen when that 
scheduler is used, having that task at least puts it on the radar. It was like, oh, I need to make sure they actually use this. Yeah, absolutely. I That's- guess then my yeah, I guess my question is like, like the pipeline is fantastic. The thing that um workflow does that the task doesn't do is that the workflow can get attached then to emails and certain things that you set up. So would you suggest the workflow being more high level and then the tasks are like the more nitty gritty? Because I can get super granular. You should see my <laughs> coming from my producing. I I would be happy to show it to you. Um, I could, I don't know if I could, I guess I could share my screen here, but yeah, I have a very like specific workflow with kind of every little piece thought out because I coming from the background that I do knowing that anything can happen yeah. um you want to be sort of prepared for every every scenario and that is ultimately I think what helps keep my business like working and thriving and functioning well because I can prepare for those you know things that might happen so I I can be very granular and I think that my workflow is possibly too granular for the workflow tool. So I may have to rethink how I'm how I'm using the workflow versus how I'm using tasks. And I think especially when things don't if there's tasks within if I set up workflow to be more high level and there's tasks that are sort of within the workflow, how do I tell the workflow that like those tasks have been created or you know, that it's waiting for those things to happen. So what'll happen is for like the pieces of the workflow, like send brochure, send questionnaire, send email, you would do, let's say you send a proposal out. Once they have made their first payment, you could do like send email after first payment is made. And then that email goes out and that's going to hold the link to schedule a session with you. So then mm-hmm. your task would be to make sure their ske- session is scheduled, add date to project, like add date to project details. That's how I would set up the workflow. Like the, the steps, the actions are what you want the client to do, see, be prepped for. And the tasks are really used for what do you need to do in order to keep the workflow going and so that no steps get right. So the workflow is kind of like almost like an extension of the pipeline. It's yeah. a little like it's just like a little more granular, but it's not the actual things that need to get done within it. It's just saying like, okay, like the contract has been sent, this email has been sent, like all of those that sort of process. Right. I was going to say, is there a way to like not have a step triggered from the next step? Like, I don't know. I guess I was like, some things aren't necessarily triggered based on the previous work step. So if you, Um, you're building your workflow, the dropdown menu will give you all of the different options for the triggers. So it can be after contract signed, after first payment made, after invoices paid in full, uh, before and after project date after questionnaire is submitted, I can't remember anymore. <laughs> Those are the ones like I'm, I remember. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. 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 So the way I like to, when I first begin working a workflow, I like to use like a, a post-its. <laughs> and I'll use different colored post-its for like, um, like pink will be emails. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, blue will be forms you know, that kind of thing. So then I know what each step will be. And then I can do like a different colored post-it for like the tasks in between. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. So my my goal when we're, when creating a workflow is to get as much done automatically as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those things. Once at some point, one yeah, realizing that it's more of like the the workflows, like the high level and the tasks are more specific. I think I just have to go back through and really like assess what and how the tool works. And I once things started getting busy, I didn't really have the time, so I kind of just went back to my old process. But now that now that I have like a week or two of downtime, I'm sort of eager to like get back in and see how things work because I'm very much about being like, I have my process, but being flexible about it. If I'm using a certain tool that there's nothing you can't learn or adapt to. Absolutely. Um, and that's such a good so, <laughs> When you're working 12 hour days, 14 hour days on set and, and all kinds of things happen, you know, sometimes you just, and, you know, especially working for different companies and also every client is different. Every client needs something different. Every, you know, family needs something different. So you have to be able to adapt the process to it. For sure. Awesome. So, all right. So I want to make sure that we answer all of your other questions. So are there any other issues that you've seen or, you know, workarounds that you're just like, "Ah, I don't understand why I have to do this. Yeah. I guess making sure also like emails stay within HoneyBook. You know, do I, I never, I don't see it from the client's perspective. So sometimes when an email, when someone replies to an email, it will stay within HoneyBook, but sometimes it doesn't. And I'm not sure why that always, is. like when they reply directly to their email, does it stay within HoneyBook or does it, do they have to go into their portals or reply to the email? I like to go into HoneyBook and reply to emails within HoneyBook. When you reply to emails like in Gmail or like whatever your email system is, it can sometimes take it, it can kick it out of HoneyBook. Mm -hmm. So now I've had it happen where clients will email my email directly rather than going through their portal. And that can always cause a hiccup. At that point, it's totally up to you if you want to like redirect them to like send them their portal link and or like or what I've done too is I'll reply to their email that they've sent like a one-off email in my inbox I'll go into HoneyBook and reply there (laughs) instead of replying in my email inbox oh yeah so how does how would that work then if they if they sent oh you just like essentially create a new thread Mm -hmm. yeah I'll do like start new message like in response to your email or something yeah, there. Mm-hmm. and, and keep it in honey books. Just so like we talked about earlier, keeping everything in one place is so important. Right. And when they, when they see it though, like when they, when uh, from their end, when they get an email from me, they can just reply to that email and then it stays within the honey book system. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That's been an interesting learning curve, I guess. Yeah. So I think my, I feel like that's there's an, and there's no way to email contracts for other people. So I guess like a challenge is if I, like the generational shoot, this one of the people didn't have an email to send it to. So I had to print the contracts and just bring it to the shoot, which I guess is really the only option. But or yeah, or there, you know, yeah. I mean, I think within. So I could send like an email if if multiple people are in a workspace, I could send an email to the for one contract to somebody, it would go to everyone, but then I could delineate that it's a certain person has to sign up. Yes. Yeah. They would just get it. 
Interesting. Okay. And you would do that, you would do that in the contract space. So like Mm -hmm. I actually just had to do this the other day because we added somebody to the project space or um, to the workspace after the fact. So the contract had already been populated and it was the first person's name. So the other person couldn't sign or pay. So I'm like, oh, sorry. So I had to actually go in and physically change it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's another challenge. Like I'd have to, for some people that have to like create new workspaces so that they can, they can have their own. I think also on the app, I noticed that you can't like, I will hide those workspaces from the pipeline um, just to keep things cleaner. And I think on the app, I can't see that other pipeline. So I was curious also if you know how to get into, if I'm in the app, how I get into the other workspace for someone. That is a really good question. I haven't personally encountered that. I would wonder, could you go into the project that you can see and access the workspace from the project? I hadn't, I wasn't able to. No. Um, Yeah. But I, I'm not sure. I didn't look too deeply into it, but I couldn't seem to figure it out. So yeah, I'm not sure. I actually don't use the other workspaces. I haven't had the opportunity to with the clients that I've had, and I've managed HoneyBook for three years. So I mm. we don't use the other workspaces, so I haven't encountered that problem. So. Oh. Yeah, it's so interesting because everything changes based on like the client and the project. So excuse me, I think that was my doorbell. Yeah, I think. And so the other question I had was just back to the workflow. So I know that you can't change dates. Like once you trigger a workflow, you can no longer change the dates. You'd have to start the workflow over. Is there anything, any other workaround or any other tips on that? So, I mean, the only the thing that stinks about that is, I mean, you just have to remove the workflow. And then what I would do is duplicate the workflow and then either delete the steps you don't need Mm -hmm. or make it to where it's like with approval only so that you have time to delete the steps you don't need Mm -hmm. um, in those situations. Uh, The only other thing, no, they don't have that ability. What I was going to say, like in Dubsado, I can change the date like physically in the workflow when I need to, like Mm -hmm. I can change it there. Um, But in HoneyBook, they don't have that option. So the only option would be to remove the workflow and attach a new one and delete the steps you no longer need. And when you click a step is checked, if you like made a mistake, you can't uncheck that, right? No. Uh, and you can't unsend. <laughs> and I mean, you can't unsend emails in Dubsado. Right. But like, there's been times I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> that yet. Yeah, that moment. I had the other day I had to figure out, I sent sneak peeks to some for something And then I sent also images to someone else. And while we were going through, she was like, how do I get the image? And there is no way to download the image um, that I had sent as an attachment. And it took me a little while. But once I like hovered over the tiny icon, there was like a little arrow button. When you click on it, then you have to still click, right click and save as the image. And I did that to make sure like the resolution was fine. And it still was, but it was sneaky. And I was like, oh. Oh no, how do I, because I usually will send things via gallery yeah. However, for these specific things. I needed to just send them as email attachments. And I was like, oh no, like I've sent them these things and they can't even download them. So, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I figured it out, which was fine. Um, and they haven't asked me any questions about it yet. So I don't know if they've tried downloading it or what, but I assume if they have issues, they will get back to me about it. 
yeah it's interesting but it's nice to have I like the little cha-ching on the um the app it was fun I I have an Etsy shop I've had an Etsy shop for many years and Etsy also has like a little cha-ching button and it's a it's kind of scary when it happens because it can be really loud but uh I that was um (laughs) um that was really nice yeah there's all kinds of fun things and it's nice to have everything and one place um it's nice to be able to add all of my expenses and yeah it's definitely in syncing with google um it's definitely a super super robust tool in that way but yeah some kind of i think some kind of logic-based workflow but i think now that i have a little bit of time again to really sit with it and see how i can adapt that process yeah Um, and i mean and and i actually i have a podcast episode a few weeks back where i in the episode, like walk through how I do a workflow with clients. Oh, cool. So like step by step, how I get started, how I put it together, like how writing it down and creating Mm -hmm. each puzzle piece makes sense so that you're not wasting a ton of time going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. That I would love to listen to that because I'm always eager to hear how other people do things because I think you learn so much um I'm in a group with a bunch of other female photographers and it's really fascinating to like hear how everyone you know thinks through things or creates up their creates their process how they choose to edit their photos like everyone is so different so different um not but I think you learn you end up learning a lot yep definitely well, very good. I'm excited to kind of hear from you, hopefully, in a couple of weeks after you've gotten some time to dig in a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Reach out if you have any questions. I hope this was helpful. Do you, you have yeah. anything else? No, this is, I really appreciate it. I think it has given me more motivation to when I get, when I finish up all of these albums and have time to go back to it to really just dig in and see you know, again, what I can, what I can change and adjust, um, on my end. So this is very helpful. Thank you so much for offering this, um, oh, you're so welcome. for your time. Very good. Well, I wrap up my episodes the same way every single time and it's a three okay. quick questions. My first one is what is your favorite business tool? My favorite business tool, probably Adobe suite. Cause I love editing the magic I, or, and my, more specifically, my favorite tool is the, the patch tool because you can remove things like yeah, people, I, random people in your images. It's uh, it's very fun and satisfying to see things go in and out that aren't supposed to be there. <laughs> That's <awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> And then do you have a favorite quote? Yes. People will forget the things you do. People will forget the things you say, but people will always remember how you made them feel. And I believe that was my Angela. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. And then this is my favorite. So if you and I were to go get a drink and I was coming to New York City, where would we go and what would we have? Ooh, oh, man. That's a really hard one in New York. If you're going to get a drink, what, where would we go and what would we have? We would probably go to Weather Up on Vanderbilt Avenue. They make an amazing drink that I can never remember the name of, but it's the ginger drink. And I always ask for the ginger drink and sometimes they put candied ginger in it and it's really great. And then afterwards we would go to Ample Hills for ice cream, which is the best place to get ice cream here in Brooklyn. I would normally have said the chocolate room for dessert, but unfortunately they uh, closed down their close location to me because of the pandemic. So yeah. Yeah. Weather up and then Ample Hills. That would be that would be my spot. They're both in Prospect Heights in Brooklyn. 
Yes. All right. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> You're great questions. I love, uh, I love ice cream. My husband makes fun of me because he's like, I'll get ice cream in December. I don't care. Oh, same. I, yeah, I have a, I, my dad is a big ice cream fan and I have followed suit and it's, yeah, the best. They have, they have some really unique flavors and the owners are actually opening up a new place a few blocks away that has a different branding. So I'm excited to try that this summer. So what's your favorite Mm -hmm. flavor? Well, at Ample Hills, it's the salted cracked caramel. Um, which is like a burnt sugar salted caramel situation with saltine crackers in it. What? Or, or some some kind of some kind of salted Salty. like cracker thing. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really good. And they also have a uh, all other flavors are good, but they also have one that's like a rice crispy treat flavor. Um, that's gooey and delicious. Yeah, you can't go wrong with anything there, pretty much. It's it's really good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Emily. I appreciate it. Where can our audience hang out with you? Absolutely. So I am on Instagram. It's Emily Lewick Photography. Um, So E-M-I-L-Y-L-O-U-I-C-K Photography. And then I am the same on my website, which is emilylewickphotography.com. And I'm based in New York City, but I can travel. So awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out today. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. If you love what you heard today, could you do me a favor? Could you grab a screenshot of the episode and then send it over to your Instagram stories and tag me at Success Beyond the Lens podcast? I love hearing from our audience to see what you guys are loving. And if you really love me, if you could go over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review, I would appreciate it so much. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week.